0: Boom, boom. Happy new, year. Happy new Year. It's good to see y'all. Good to have a good crowd. First service, good crowd there too. Uh, if you take your celebration guides, start the new year like we do every Sunday of the old year. If you're a guest with us today, please fill out the registration where it says guest registration. Rip it off at the perforation and drop it in the offering plate when it comes around a little bit later. Um I wanna say thank you for, I couldn't get to everybody, but for the cards, the the Christmas cards and the gift certificates, I believe I can eat out every week for the next year, somewhere. Uh, But thank you all so much for thinking of us. Um, I don't know why it says no evening activities and then right underneath it, it says Sunday night live with the youth. Yeah, there is youth tonight. So I don't know why that's still in there. But uh, yeah, we have youth tonight. Uh, Baptism, you can uh, get ready to sign up for that if you've never followed the Lord in baptism. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, Boy, I should have put these on. Um, Wednesday night, we are having the come and see where uh, all the leaders uh, of the church, we're gonna be over uh, in the ministry complex. And all we wanna do, we'll have some light refreshments to just see your face and just say hi. Hi. And I'm, again, we're not going to rope you into anything. So just love to have you come and, and be a part. Um, I think that's about it. Let's uh, stand and welcome somebody around you to church.
1: Yeah. you?
2: we take for granted the goodness of God but you are faithful from generation to generation, from Abraham to Isaac all the way through to the promise of the coming king that we just celebrated you are so faithful and you are so good Father I pray that we would not forget the goodness of who you are and God just remind us today that you're with us God, as we take up our tithes and offerings and this portion of our service where we give back to you, God, use it and bless it so others when we know the goodness of who you are. You are good. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
0: Well, again, uh, Happy New Year. This is the first Sunday of the new year, and it's the be, uh, beginning of our 30th year as a church. We started on January the 1st of 1995, so we've 29 years behind us, and we're jumping into that 30th year. I had a um, a good week because I was trying not to complain, as we talked about last Sunday, not complaining. And by the way, I got a... Uh, They've been bringing out chairs. To, uh, got a few empty spots here, here and there. But um, uh, great crowd. Thank you for coming. Thank you that are sitting in a chair. Uh, maybe next week we'll have uh, other of the regular chairs out, since it looks like we're going to be full for a while. Um, I wanted to do something last week, which was end the year and begin the new year, about talking about complaining and what the Bible says about it, how I can be different. Um, And then I wanted to today be ready for the new year because I'm sure that many of you like me have had prayer requests that have not been answered yet. And you're taking them over from one year to the next. Maybe you've had it for years like I have, several years or more. Things that you've asked the Lord about and the answer hasn't come yet. So what I wanted to do today then is talk about prayer and learning how not to give up, but to look up. And the title of the whole series is, I think what we the, the greatest need is encouragement. We need encouragement in our lives today. So that's what I want to do today is encourage you by talking about prayer. Praying, and we're going to be looking at a parable, and we're going to look at the eight verses, uh, and I'm going to make comments about them. Then we're going to come back and look at the four things that persistent praying does. Persistent praying, because I, I really didn't understand a lot about prayer, you know, about the what's going on behind the scenes what God might be doing in my life or somebody else's life. And yet that is an absolute truth, that it's not just, Lord, do this. Okay, I think I like that. It's done. There's so much more to that and and, and prayer in our life. So today will be like a little mini lesson uh, study on on prayer. So this is a parable. By the way, it's very important to know that this is a parable that we're going to look at by contrast. And a parable is the Lord telling something. um, It wasn't really happening at the time, but he uses it to teach us a spiritual truth. And if you've never been told this about the parables in the Bible, a parable only has one meaning unless it tells you that there are other meanings. It only has one meaning uh, for it. Now, Jesus told this parable... And in the very first verse, he tells us why he told it. So let's look at it. Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them that they should always do what, church? Pray and not give up. See, that's what Jesus wants for us. Pray. Don't give up what? Look up. The story, by the way, this story really has a lot of humor to it. Would have been even more so to the disciples, because there's these two different characters. There's this powerful judge and this powerless widow, and and you know Jesus often would use some rascal uh, talking in, in his parables, and I believe he did that for a lot, a lot of times for shock value to the ones that he was talking to. So. In verse 2, we have the description of the judge. He says, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. This guy didn't give a hoot about people. And he didn't, even God, he had no fear there. So this is a hard-boiled, unsympathetic, callous man who is a judge. Now, here comes a widow In distress. Verse three, there was a widow in the town who kept coming to him with a plea Grant me justice against my adversary. Now, we don't know what her problem was, but I do know this in those days, widows had absolutely no rights. Women, Didn't have any rights, ladies, back then. And if you were a widow, you definitely did not have any rights. You were at the mercy of of a family, if they would, to take care of you. They were at the bottom of the social ladder. In fact, the word widow in the Greek there literally means forsaken or empty. So they had a rough life. But this woman is not a pushover of a widow. I mean, she's got a problem, and she goes to this hard-boiled judge, and he wouldn't give her what she wanted, so now there's a battle of the wills. So we read in verses 4 and 5, For some time he refused the judge, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. See, I'd imagine the, the, the disciples are laughing you know, about this. I mean, you know, here's this impotent widow intimidating this judge. Um, she, She had no weapon, folks, except her persistence. Now, he goes on to say, because she keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. Why? So that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Now, you know what the word wear me out in the Greek there literally means? To give a black eye or to bruise. So he's thinking this woman might, you know, come after me physically. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to give her what she wants. Now, do you, do you have the story and the background of the story? Say, yeah, I do. All right. Now, 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 is that what God is saying to me and you of how we treat him, that we have to wear him down with our prayers. No. Or that we keep, you know, that, that um, he's saying, look, just to get some peace and quiet and to get that pastor off my back, I'm going to answer that prayer. No. I want you to write this down. This is a comparison By contrast, a comparison by contrast. You say, well, Lord, that doesn't help me a lot. What does that mean? Okay, here's what that means. The Lord is saying, if a heartless judge will help this lady out, how much more can you count on a God who loves you to help you out? So in verse 7 and the first part of verse 8, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night will he keep putting them off i tell you he will see that they get justice and quickly now having read that i'm thinking okay the lord lord you're telling me a truth here you're saying that they'll get their justice and it'll be quickly what does quickly mean lord you, you and i have a different idea about what quickly is The point of this story is God is eager to answer your prayer. God is eager to answer your prayer. You don't have to gripe or complain or beg or uh, pester the Lord. He's saying to you, I'm not like that judge. I'm eager to answer your prayers. So my next question is... I ask too many questions. No, I'm seriously, when I read the Bible, I'll read some and think, well, why? You know, well, why, why? And the Lord always answers it. There's always a why. But here, the question comes up, why be persistent? And Lord, you said you would bring justice quickly. How come my prayers aren't answered immediately? So why should I keep on praying? Anybody here like me, you've been praying for years for one thing or more and it hadn't happened yet? okay. Um, why should I keep on praying when it doesn't seem like the answer is coming? Lord, are you telling me like you told um, somebody in the Bible one time? Don't ever, don't mention this again. Like Paul, don't pray anymore about this. I don't think so. So here are four reasons with the time we have left to keep on praying. It's what persistent praying will do, and I'm going to tell you these are the four things that have helped me to understand more about my prayers than anything else. I've read books galore on prayer and some wonderful books, but this has helped me more than anything else to understand what might be going on in my prayer life and why it seems to me like I'm not getting an answer very quickly. Number one was this, praying persistently Helps me to focus on God. It helps me to focus on God. See, it's not to remind God, but it's to remind me where the source of my power is. And over and over I I call myself, and you say, well, how do you know that? Because I, I keep a journal. And I go back and I look at entries in the journal and I see that I was focusing more on me and my circumstance than I was on God and the power that he had to, to help me do what I needed done. Philippians 4:19 says, "And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So who's going to supply them? My God. I need to be focusing more on him. God wants me and has been trying to teach me to see him alone as, as the source of, of my needs, to look to him. Whenever you've got to pray about something over and over, you know, it seems to me like it's a pattern for people, even, even Christians, that we, we look to everybody else to solve our problems with the Lord. You know, we'll, we'll go to a, a the pastor, we'll go to a counselor, we'll go to family, or we'll go to friends, and you've probably heard people say, well, I guess the last, best thing we can do now is pray. Well, why wouldn't that be the first thing now we can do? Psalm 105.4, not in your notes, but I just added it in mine, says, look to the Lord and go to him for your help. See, that's what persistent praying does uh, when God often delays an answer. It has forced me to focus on him. You got that one? All right, number two, persistent praying has helped to clarify what I really want, my request, to clarify my request. See, a delayed answer uh, a lot of times has given me time To to ask, do I really want this? I'm going to tell you right now. I look back, and again, most of my prayers were too vague. How many of you have ever said something like this, God bless my family? No, really, bless my family. Well, what does that mean? Problems can be a blessing. Is that what you're saying, Lord, give me a lot of problems? No, probably not. But we need to be specific and not general, not not vague. And time, these years, has given me time to clarify and and refine my prayer of what I really want and don't want. You know, it truly is, it is a test. How badly do I really want? Listen, if I don't want something bad enough to pray for it for more than just one or two times, I don't want it very badly if I'm going to give up. It's, it's like a test. And, and here's a verse that I like, Zechariah 13, 9, he, the Lord says, I will test them as gold is tested, and then they will pray and I will answer them. How is gold tested? In the fire. And he says, I'll test them as gold is tested. Then when you're in the fire, they're going to pray to me and I will answer them. It, it, it helps to clarify my request. It kinda like, it's kind of like it separates mere whims from a really deep struggle that I want the Lord to help me with. Someone said that Christians are a lot like tea bags. You don't know what's in them until you drop them in hot water. <laughs> then it comes out. So God is maybe delaying the answer to test you. He wants to know if you really want it bad enough. Another one that I know you know, Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you'll find me when you seek for me with all your heart. This is another area that I really had to struggle with. And that is, am I really searching for God with all my heart? Folks, you have to think about that. If you're praying about something right now that's not been answered, Ask yourself, am I really asking God for this with all my heart or is there a part of me? See, I found that I was praying for certain things, but there was a certain thing I was not willing to give up to the Lord. A little area might have been a thought, or might have been, you know, I'm not quite willing to give all that up. And the Lord wants, wants it all. Persistent praying. Help me to focus on the Lord. Help me to clarify my request. And here's a biggie. Persistent praying prepares me for the answer. It prepares me for the answer. Surprise, God wants to do more for you than probably you want him to do. You're praying for something and God wants to do it bigger and better. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 3 and verse 20, it says, Now glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. See, sometimes we ask for a small blessing and God denies it because, folks, he's got something bigger out there. Now, watch this. This is so important. In talking about God preparing me for the answer, I would dare say that most of you are like me with a prayer request. It involves somebody else to some degree. I mean, it might be healing or uh, reconciliation or something, but usually it's not just, we're not the only ones that are going to be affected by it. Does that make sense? So listen, this is, oh, it may not be a big thing to you. This is what God had to teach me. And this one fairly recently. And that is that there are other people out there that are going to be affected if I answer that prayer for you, and I've got to prepare them. They've got to be prepared. And and, and here's what the Lord brought to my mind. He said, Lloyd, go back to the book of Esther and think about what God was doing and the king, and, and Mordecai, and Haman, and all these people, what God was doing, He was before he gave you the full answer, he's got to prepare all of you. Does that make sense? So just to understand that your persistent praying and not being answered may be because God is trying to prepare everybody in your life that's going to be affected by that. This really made a big impression on me of, of, my, of, my, of my prayer life. You know, we, we hear people saying, oh, prayer changes things. And it does. But more than likely, it changes me. And for answered prayer, it's not so much a matter of I'm waiting on God. I see it now as I, as it is God waiting on me, you know, to, to get right with him. I was reading this week about a missionary and who had prayed for eight solid years that just one person would be converted in this village where he was at. And it, it just never happened. No one was converted for eight years. And he kept on praying and praying and doing the right things and speaking to people. But what he did not know is that this tribe, when it came to matters that were spiritual, they were affected by the leader and the... This leader, during those eight years, he was the one that was sending people out. He was converting them, and they were reaching out. And what happened was, at the end of eight years, 12,000 of them all came to the Lord. Because God was working in other people's lives. And he was just thinking, I'm just praying for you to do this one thing. And it wasn't happening. They had to go to that whole Southeastern part of Africa, and then called to their mission, wasn't our missionaries, but to the missionary group over here that sponsored them. They had to fly people over there because they baptized over 12,000 people. So God is working, but He's got to prepare us for the answer. So it helps me to focus on Him, it helps me to clarify my request, it prepares me for the answer. And number four, persistent praying strengthens my faith. It strengthens my faith. Did you know that prayer and faith go kind of hand in hand? And faith is kind of like a muscle. It grows by being exercised and stretched. Do you know it's a mark of maturity when you're willing to wait? You know, I... Um, I spoke to a pastor that I, this week, that I call when I have an issue uh, in my heart and I I want some wisdom. Uh, Gave him a call, explained the situation to him. Had done this before. Twice in my ministry here in 29 years, there's, and you wouldn't know, so don't, you know, you weren't here, so don't try to guess who this was. But twice, People came to me and said, I want to do this. And I learned from a pastor, Dave Hamilton, years, years, years ago. He's with the Lord now. He said, if you want to know when somebody, your staff or somebody comes and wants to do something, if you want to know their heart and if you want to know their submission to leadership, here's what you do. And it may be a great idea that they're asking you about, but you say, let's wait, not quite yet. I like it, it's a good idea, but not yet. And two times in, in the last 30 years, the people were not willing to wait. And within two weeks they had quit and was gone because they were not willing to wait. And I think sometimes that the Lord is trying to strengthen my faith and that it is a mark of maturity when you are able to say, not yet, to see where people's heart is at. God might be saying that. Not, listen, God's delays are not his denials. It may be because God knows it. And by the way, I didn't even say this at the beginning. Is God going to answer my prayer that's out of his will? No. No. So we have to, when we pray, it's got to be in the will of God. And I'm going to tell you something. If you pray something that's in the will of God, he's going to do it. It's going to get done. And nothing in heaven or hell can stop it. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. What's he saying? Hang on and be patient. I was reading this week about Reese. House, H-O-U-S-E, Reese House, missionary in the past to Africa. He was in England, and he felt like God was calling him to go to Africa, but he and his wife had no money. If they could get to London, they the boat was ready. They could take the boat. That was all taken care of, but they had to get from where they were, and it was 250 or so miles from where they were to London, and you had to go by train. Well, they didn't have any money, and he really felt like God wanted him in Africa, so he said, one day I just felt like the Lord speaking inside of me and saying, well, Reese, what would you do if you had the money? And he said, I'd go to London, get on the boat. He said, then go, do it. Well, they started announcing to everybody in their church that they were leaving and that they were going to Africa, knowing that. That between the two of them, they had enough money to get to the next train depot, which was 50 miles away. And after that, they had no more money or, or tickets to go. So they they announced they were leaving. They had a big farewell party. Uh, they bought tickets, uh, went 50 miles down the road, had to get off, and was sitting right there. He said, "We felt so foolish. You know, that, what are we going to do?" Um, you know, if we go back, what are people going to say? And it was like, he said, the Lord, Reese, what would you do if you had the money? I'd buy a ticket, get in line. He got up and started standing in line. By his own admission in his book, 18 people were in this line. And he kept thinking, this is going to be so embarrassing. People kept one after the other getting their tickets and going away. He said it got up to where there were only two people ahead of him. He was the third person. And the man directly in front of him turned around and said, I don't care what she said, I'm not going to London. And had a money folded in his hand, slapped it in Reese's hand, said, here, you buy the ticket if you want to, you go. And he did. And he got to London and he got to go to Africa. He said, you know what? God's timing was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Again, God's delays are not necessarily a denial. They're there to get us to focus on the Lord, clarify our vision, prepare for the blessing. And folks, it seems like the longer we wait, the greater the miracle. Jesus concludes the parable in verse 8b. Here's what he said I tell you quickly, he will see justice. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What? What? We're just, Lord weren't we just talking about prayer and now all of a sudden you're saying faith faith and prayer go together because this story is not just about praying persistently it's about having faith and let me tell you something are you listening to this Any anytime there is a delay in your praying I'm gonna tell you one of two things is, is going is going to go on maybe both God, is testing your faith. And Satan is contesting your faith, trying to discourage you and defeat you. But folks, this woman wouldn't give up. How quickly do you give up when the answer is not immediate? Do you lose heart? You know, the Bible says, in in fact, another parable that the Lord told, I didn't add it in your notes. It was a little bit lengthy, didn't have room. But I said, you know what? I can just read it. They're going to know immediately this this passage from the Bible. Here it is in Luke 11. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, you'll give him a scorpion. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? We're evil in that sense compared to Almighty God. And he said, and, I've, and every one of you in here that has kids and grandkids, you're going to give them the best you, that you can and, 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 and provide for them. So God's saying, how much more do you think I want to give you and and meet your needs? I wonder how often we're willing to to knock. You know, it says, keep knocking, because that's in the continual sense. Keep asking, keep seeking. How many people would you talk to on the phone if you only let it ring once and then hung up? I was reading about Daniel Boone also. Um, when I leave here today, um, and I go home and let my dogs out, get undressed, and get in my clothes for the day, and uh, get in my chair, got a sandwich or something in front of me, turn it to channel 86. It's Daniel Boone. Some of you may know that. Daniel Boone. And some one day, true story, someone asked Daniel Boone, he was, he was a famous settler in the Kentucky area, and he traveled all over the wilderness. And one day a man asked him, have you ever been lost? And Boone answered this way. He said, no, I've never been lost. I've been bewildered sometimes for days, even up to a week, but I just kept on going. And I would always come out somewhere. And folks, I don't know if you've ever felt that way. You ever felt bewildered and like you're walking in the wilderness and you don't know how it's going to come out, but you keep on going. Maybe your marriage, big crowd today, Someone here, maybe your marriage is on the rocks. You've been praying for it for months or years. You're ready to throw in the towel, but you got to keep on going. Or you can't find the right job. You're facing a serious illness, a lot of that. Or you're one of those young moms, you're stuck at home with diapers all over the house. Maybe you feel like this widow. You feel powerless and helpless and hopeless. The point of this story that Jesus told is don't give up. Look up and let the Lord help you. And that's what the Lord says we ought to always do. Now, as I said, all of us in here have probably had a prayer that has just not been answered yet. It's just the Lord hasn't met that need most of the time they're personal and i wouldn't begin to tell you what the personal thing but it's it's been going on for s- several years if not more and it's an emotional thing a thorn in the flesh if you will that just doesn't seem to get answered and you feel like sometimes just giving up to be honest just giving up but you know where my heart and my mind goes It goes to the story that Jesus also told, but it wasn't a parable, it was a truth. He said, there was a huge group of people around him, and he said to them, here's what it's gonna take to follow me. And it said at that, and he told them, here's what you gotta do to be my disciple. And it said many of them got up and walked away. And Jesus looked at the 12 disciples and he said, are y'all going to leave too? And I love what Peter said. Lord, where would we go? You've got the answer. Your word is eternal life. You ever felt that way? Where would I go, Lord? If you give up, where are you going to go? You've only got one place, So whatever it is today that's causing you to want to give up today, don't do that. Don't give up. There's a lot of things in life that are not fair. We talked about that last week. So God says to you today on January 7th, don't give up. Look up. Would you pray with me? Father, I want to thank you for your word and It ministers to us, and it's so powerful that it cuts me in the intents, it says, and the motives of my heart. Lord, I want to thank you for these four things that you're doing, even when I don't recognize it. Lord, there's a lot of things in our lives that's beyond human solution. So we look to you. Now, it may be that some of you today in here have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've never crossed that bridge into eternal life. You're lost. You're here and you're lost good person, no doubt, you're in church, made a good effort, but you've never crossed the line to where there was a time in your life where you said, Lord God, I know I'm a sinner. There's no doubt about that. I'm I'm a sinner. And I know that that separates me from you. But I believe what I've heard. And that is that you took care of that sin by dying for me on the cross. And you shed your blood and you rose again. And you asked me to believe in that and trust you. And I could be saved and go to heaven. On this first Sunday again, uh, maybe you're new to our church. We will never embarrass you. I'll never come where you are and point you out. But I would like to ask, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I would like to ask, have you, when I was saying those words, did you have that intent in your heart that you'd like to just be absolutely sure that you're gonna make it to heaven? If, if so, would you just do me a favor and just slip your hand up and leave it up for just a minute anywhere in the building Thank you. Anywhere else, please, just slip your hand up and leave it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to ask you uh, to just now in your heart, just confess it. Say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I trust you right now. I don't understand it all, but I trust you. I believe you love me and loved me enough to die for me. So as best I know how, I'm asking you to come into my heart and be my Savior. On your bulletin, there's that guest registration ripoff. The very first thing on the top says, I'm committing my life to Jesus. I'd love it if you would just print your name on it and check that box if that's what you did. And give it to somebody out in the foyer, me somebody and Lord we thank you for helping us to have encouragement right now in spite of what we see happening around us we believe you're coming and you're coming soon and we want to be ready individually and as your church We thank you. Let's stand and sing this little bit together. I I I won't fear fear for you're on my side. My My first hope, my my last word, now and forever. Let it rain, rain, let it pour. I will see all you ever.
1: He's good, good to me.
0: God bless y'all. have a great afternoon. It's beautiful outside. Have a great afternoon.